Hey, welcome back to the Healed by Faith podcast. This is Clark Varen, and today I want to introduce a new series. I know that we're currently going through a spiritual path to healing, uh, which is our ongoing series right now, but I'm actually going to start a new series at the same time while we're finishing up that series that is going to be called Cliff Notes on Jesus. And the reason why I want to start this series is because it's been on my heart lately. I've talked to a lot of people who uh, perhaps know about Jesus, but don't really know him. And what I have told them is that like, hey, if you want to be able to experience more of what you love about him, because these people already liked Jesus, they're like, yeah, he's like a home dog, you know, they know that he's kind of like this hippie who is spreading love, you know, a preacher, healing people. Nobody really has a problem with Jesus himself, you know, like he was a great dude, Uh, but they don't necessarily know what exactly it is that he said and what exactly it is that he did. And uh, if you want to be able to manifest more of the things you love about him, the, the love, the grace, Uh, the peace that he can provide in your life, then you've got to start building a relationship with him, which begins with actually getting to know him, which means actually diving into the Bible, actually diving into the Gospels. And so far, we haven't really done any Bible readings on this uh, podcast so far. I know I've referenced it many times, but what I would love to do is take you through the book of Mark, because Mark is basically the cliff notes on Jesus's life. This is the first book that was written about Jesus, his first biography. And it's written like this thrilling story where, you know, everything is like boom, 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 boom. Like this happened, then that happened. And it's like, it's like an action tale. And I I really love it. So um, when I first picked up my Bible, this was the book that I started with. Now, if you remember my story of what happened that actually led me to pick up my Bible, I had to hit absolute rock bottom to actually want to read the Gospels, to actually want to learn about Jesus and actually begin building a genuine relationship with him. And it wasn't until then that I actually really started to receive his grace. It was when I intentionally put forth the effort to build a relationship with him by picking up this book that I really started to heal and started to get like on the right track um, with my own spiritual path. So with that said, um, let's dive into the book of Mark. This is such an, such an exciting book. In my Bible, it's only 19 pages long. It's super short. It's something that if you wanted to just read through it all, uh, you could probably finish it in just a couple hours and you could have like the full cliff notes of Jesus. But when I read uh, through this, I'm going to read it and then I'm also going to leave like a whole bunch of comments and stuff uh, along the way so that you have some better context of what's going on. But once again, this was the first gospel written. This was written by a guy named John Mark. There's another gospel named John, so we don't call it the gospel of John. We call it the gospel of Mark. Um, and John Mark uh, was best friends with Peter. Peter was Jesus's like most innermost disciple, like kind of Jesus's right-hand man. Um, There's another part where in the Gospels, Jesus says to Peter, hey, I'm going to hand over the keys of the kingdom to you, basically saying, hey, when I pass, you are going to be like the lead dog at, you know, building this ministry. And so John Mark, who worked with Peter, wrote these. And so these are essentially like Peter's stories, essentially stories 
might as well be written by Jesus's like most right-hand man. And so it's a very reliable gospel. It was duplicated many, many, many times over because it was an it was used as an evangelical gospel. It was used as a gospel to the Gentile population. So these are the non-Jewish people who wanted to learn about Jesus. And so it was duplicated many, many times over. So when the Roman Empire, they tried to destroy Christianity, right? They weren't able to corrupt this gospel. They weren't able to like change the words of it because there were so many copies, it would be easy to find the one that was forged. So instead, they tried to just get rid of them all, but obviously this one survived because it was duplicated so many times. So it's a very reliable account. It was written within like 30 years of Jesus's death. And uh, there are so many copies of this uh, gospel that exist. So anyways, it's a great place to start and it reads like a thriller. So without further ado, let's just dive right in. Let's dive in with uh, Mark chapter one, verse one. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, now Isaiah is a prophet who lived 600 years before Christ. So as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So Isaiah prophesied that before the Messiah was going to come, he was going to send a messenger before him who will prepare your way. He's going to prepare the way of the Messiah. And it's going to be a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. This guy is basically going to live in the woods and he's going to be priming the people of the region that Jesus is born into to actually receive the message of Christ. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed the one, he proclaimed the one who is more powerful than I, is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, John fulfills that prophecy, right? Because Isaiah was saying, hey, there's going to be a messenger I'm going to send before the Messiah who is going to prepare the way. So John the Baptist, and by the way, he's going to be living in the wilderness. So John the Baptist is this guy who literally lived out in the wilderness. He uh, was clothed with camel's hair, right? And a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. That's a pretty wild guy. (laughs) And uh, he was preparing the way. He was making their path straight by getting people to baptize a baptism of repentance in preparation for the Messiah. And so John the Baptist was always saying, hey, there's someone who's going to be coming after me who's more powerful than me. And what we're about to find is that when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, the heavens open up and John the Baptist and Jesus both, well, John the Baptist at that point at least learns that Jesus is the Messiah. And he literally says, this is the man we've been waiting for. This is the one that I've been telling you about follow him. He must be great, become great and I must become small. So John the Baptist literally primes all these people, all these disciples, and then hands Jesus off 
a following right at the beginning of his ministry, right after his baptism. So that's what's about to happen. So in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. So Jesus gets baptized, the heavens open up, right? And John the Baptist knew this. We, we know this from a different gospel. But John the Baptist knew that when the heavens were going to open up over someone that he was going to baptize, that was going to be the Messiah. So this was John the Baptist's telling point. Like, this is the one that we have been waiting for. So after Jesus gets baptized, then he gets tempted by the devil. And so it's almost like at this point, he's receiving his calling. And, when, and on my spiritual journey, you know, when... I received my calling the first time that I drank ayahuasca, uh, where the heavens like tore open to me. I was fully in the presence of God. He revealed to me, God revealed to me his true nature of all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful. And then he called down to me. And literally, after he called down to me, I went into my initiation in Brazil. I spent 40 days in the wilderness of Brazil. And so it's kind of funny how God will kind of repeat certain patterns. There's certain patterns of initiation with some people. Um, and so I just find it like hilarious, the uh, the pattern repeat that I can like, genu- I can almost like relate <laughs> to Jesus's story here, you know? So the heavens rip open, he gets baptized. And then this is the temptation of Jesus. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. So after 40 days, the angels were just waiting for him to go through this temptation phase so that he could more fully receive all of the grace of Christ. All of us have to go through a warrior phase, a warrior initiation in our spiritual journey. Um, it's t- when times get really tough and our faith is really tested that we be- we put more and more of ourselves reliant on God, and that's that's a what Jesus did it in 40 days. For many of us, it takes years. You know, I'm still in that uh, to some degree, at least. So then Jesus begins his ministry. So now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So Jesus branded his whole message about the good news. You know, today a lot of people don't like Christianity because they say, hey, anyone who doesn't believe in Christ goes to hell. But that's like totally missing the point. The point here is that it's really good news. Like Jesus has come, like there is a savior that walked this earth who sacrificed himself and that's what we're about to learn. So Jesus then calls his first disciples, right? So he goes around, he starts preaching, and he's calling his disciples together. So as Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. Now Simon is also named Peter, right? Simon Peter is his name. So Peter literally is telling the story of how Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee and, you know, and was like picked up as one of the first disciples of Jesus. So Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went a little farther. He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So Jesus is starting to collect his first few people. It's kind of like building a company, right? It's like, you can't do it on your own. You got to go grab some people. And so he grabs some people and then he starts performing healing miracles. So 
They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, this is super important. Back then, there were scribes, there were priests that would basically teach people about the law, teach people about the book. What made Jesus stand out so much is he wasn't just preaching out of a book. He was preaching out of his firsthand experience, his relationship with God. And because of that, people realized this man, he knows God in a deeper way than just through a book. Now, I love my Bible. I read my Bible every single day. Um, but at the same time, it's no replacement for that firsthand relationship of actually going into prayer and meditation and spending time with God. So just then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. So this is where Jesus starts casting out literal demons. You know, this demon approached him and said, Hey, have you come to destroy us? Have you come to destroy all of these little devils, is what they call them, inside of, inside of people? And Jesus rebuked them, shut him up, and then the spirit left somebody literally by convulsing them and and making that person screech and that person left that person that demon left that person's body now if you don't believe in spirits if you don't believe in demonic spirits or if you don't believe in exorcisms um, go on youtube and go look up some videos of exorcisms there are endless videos of people who are being exercised still today and i believe it's really important to understand that like the idea of, hey, I've got my demons, you know, it's not just like your bad emotions or your traumas or whatever your old bad patterns are that you want to get rid of. It's like demons are actually sentient beings. Here, the demon literally said to Jesus, hey, have you come to destroy us? You know, it's like this demon was speaking. It had consciousness. And that's one of the things that may freak you out a little bit. But if you're listening to this podcast and you know my story, um, I've probably already freaked you out enough. You know, so I literally had spirits. I had spirits attached to me. And so as I was reading this, as I was reading Mark for the first time, I was reading the first sacred text, the first time uh, where I had learned about spirits that were being cast out of people because I had read plenty of other Buddhist texts and other you know New Age kind of things. Um, none of those things talked about casting out demons. Um, but the Bible did. And I was like, oh my gosh, freaking Jesus gets me. And this was the beginning of me building a relationship with Jesus. So Jesus rebukes the spirit saying, be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. So Jesus now... He begins his ministry. He's gotten baptized, or first of all, he got baptized, fulfilling the prophecy that we read about from Isaiah. Um, he went into the, he went to get tempted for forty days in the woods. Starts to collect his early disciples, and then begins casting out demons and healing people. And he instantly 
becomes a celebrity and people from all over the place start to try to find him, to follow him, and he builds this huge massive gathering. And this is the beginning of a three-year ministry that he started. He's 30 years old at this point. Um, and he's going to continue this for the next three and a half years of healing people, building up his tribe, building up his gathering, leading ultimately up until his crucifixion. So what happens next is as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Remember Simon Peter, the guy who is best friends with John Mark, the guy who wrote this book. So basically Simon's like reporting on his own, on Jesus visiting his own house. So into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening, it's so funny, by the way, that like as soon as this mom gets healed, she immediately like starts making dinner. <laughs> so that evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. This is something that I'm trying to bring to the light about disease and illness is that some diseases are caused by demons, you know, not all of them, uh, but he says various dise diseases and cast out many demons. So what would a demon look like today? You know, a demon could look like a mental illness. You know, a demon could look like people who have voices in their head, like schizophrenia. Uh, a demon also, as we'll learn later on, can create physical distortments in the body, like scoliosis, like people who were crippled. Um, those are things that demons can cause. Those are ailments that demons can cause in the body. And to heal those things, you need to know how to cast out demons, which the best way to learn is by studying Jesus. He freaking did this like it was no problem, right? So um, once again, knowing Christ is what helped me do this work on myself, was what helped me exercise myself. So he cured various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because because they knew him. <laughs> That's a bold statement that the demons knew Jesus. But as we look at earlier, uh, when we were reading the about the first demon that Jesus cast out, the demon, the man, a man with the unclean spirit said, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. They knew who Jesus was, the Holy One of God. So a preaching tour in Galilee. In the morning, by the way, I'm in chapter, we're still in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is such a great insight into how Jesus operated. You know, it's like he had all these people who are constantly striving for his attention. He had to purposefully get up super early in the morning to get up and begin praying to figure out, to ask God, hey, God, how are you going to use me today? And it was through his prayers that he realized, he's like, all right, it's time to, for us to move on to the next towns and continue doing this work. So then Jesus cleanses a leper. So a leper came to him, begging him, 
and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean and sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So Jesus still here is like, hey, I'm trying to stay under wraps still a little bit. If you go tell everyone that I healed you of leprosy, that's not going to keep this under wraps, right? So when I heal you, you have to go back to the synagogue and say that God healed you and offer the offering that Moses requires, right? So don't talk too much about me. Keep it as like God healed you as like a Jewish thing for now, right? So but we see what happens, right? But he went out and began to proclaim it freely. So the guy did not follow Jesus's advice at all. Um, and he began to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into town openly, but stayed out in the country and people came to him from every quarter. So Jesus now has to escape the towns and he's literally living in the countryside and people are still flocking to him and his crowds are continuing to grow. So that was the end of Mark chapter 1. I'm going to leave it there for now of where we're at, but I did want to just introduce Mark uh, to you because this book is so exciting. I mean, it's seriously, it's so thrilling. Like Jesus is casting demons out like hotcakes. In just the first chapter, you see how it's the cliff notes of his life, right? In just the first chapter, we went through... Uh, Everything about John the Baptist, we went through his baptism, we went through his temptation, the beginning of his ministry, calling the first disciples, healing the first guy with unclean spirits, healing many at Simon's house, you know, continuing his preaching tour throughout Galilee, healing the guy with the leper. I mean, it's just like boom, 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 boom. He's doing so much um, and we're only getting started. It's only the beginning of the first chapter. So I just want to you to, if you've never actually read the Bible before, I want you to know that this, these Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Gospels, including Acts, I would say, they are exciting reads. They are interesting reads. They are, you know, this, this book, Mark, reads like an action-filled tale, you know? The other ones are, some of them are a little bit more pensive um, or reflective or more about teaching, but this one reads like an action tale. And so that's what we're going to be diving into is learning about the cliff notes of Jesus's life by going through the book of Mark together. So thank you for being here. Uh, this is the Healed by Faith podcast with Clark Varon, and I can't wait to see you in the next episode.